Thank you, Cody. Hello, hello, Katie Reinhardt, if I haven't met you, I'm one of the pastors here as well. And happy Labor Day, celebrating all of our hardworking laborers across the country. So if you're one of those, we celebrate you, and it's kind of the unofficial end of our summer, but I am going to wear flip-flops as long as I can. They are my, my feet language. Um, I will declare, though, that this is not going to be my Labor Day. We will not have any of that up here. We will not. My son and I both had a dream two nights ago that my water broke, and I have been declaring that not true yet. Um, So we've been in a series now called Healthy Church. David kicked us off a couple weeks ago talking about a healthy church being a place that is a resting place for the Lord. And then last week, Beth taught on um, a healthy church practicing both praise and lament. And today I'm going to be teaching on uh, a healthy church is one that practices generosity. And so even... I know sometimes has its own little ties to it. So if you, when you, th- when you hear generosity, if you think of just the, the fact of giving money away, I want you to kind of zoom back a little bit and think much more broad than that, living a lifestyle of, of generosity, time, talents, resources, and we'll get into all of that in a second. But let me pray again here as we enter into our teaching. So Holy Spirit, thank you for being here. Thank you for uh, for. for Um, your role in transforming our hearts, Lord. It's not my words. It's not my teaching. It's nothing that, it's not my own kairos and my own revelation, Lord. It's you transforming our hearts. And so we give you permission, Father God, to speak directly and individually to each of us. Speak even uh, the words that I'm saying as well as the words that I'm not saying, Lord. You speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so as I was, I was prepping and praying over this, it, was, it became very apparent that the level of generosity uh, was very directly linked um, to our worldview. When Eric and I took the School of Kingdom Ministry, I think it was like six years ago, the first unit that we went through was worldview. And that was a new word for me, but everyone has one. It's, it's the view in which we see the world. Uh, this, uh, whether we are, are, in, are intentional with forming it or whether we are intentional, we all have one. Think of like selecting a pair of glasses and how you can see the world. It's, it's the, 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 what the lens you're looking through to see the world. Or another example, think of a jigsaw puzzle. It's very hard to put those pieces together, especially without the box top. The, your worldview would be like the, the picture on the box top that you're seeing, the puzzle pieces through, figuring out how to connect them. It's kind of the roadmap that they all fit together. So again, we all have a worldview. Our past experiences, our abilities, our uh, skills, our experiences, all of these things will form how we see the world, our, again, our worldview. So as we talk about generosity, if you have had positive or negative experiences trying to be generous or having generosity modeled to you, that that will, again, in, to, in turn, um, Form your worldview. Form the front of that, that box. So maybe you have been to a church where generosity has only been spoken about when there's a big ask. The big thermometers like brought, wheeled on stage, right? And you can like see the red line climbing and climbing, all dramatic. But I would, I would 
um, fair to say that if, you're, if you have been to a church with, where there's only generosity spoken about when there's a big ask linked to it, in my mind, that kind of communicates a bit of unhealth. Or maybe you've been to a church that whether subtly or directly has, has said that God always wants more from you, that God always is expecting higher and higher amounts from you, from your pocketbook, um, just performance, then you might have found yourself, again, in, in somewhat of an unhealthy church. Um, it, these, these two kinds of churches lead to a mindset, a worldview, that is based off of scarcity, that is based off of um, it's on my shoulders to provide this need, and if I don't do this, if I don't perform into this, then it's not going to happen. So maybe, again, you, you um, might have this a worldview coming into this that resources are limited, or that there's always lack, or that there's not going to be enough. Maybe you, you um, have, have the tendency to see the lens of, I'm a victim. There's never enough resources. There's never enough atten- attention, time, care, love, favor. If, if you're seeing through this kind of a glasses, then that would, as what, what I would name, again, this scarcity worldview or this scarcity mindset. And I think, honestly, like if you were thinking, I love, I love visuals, if, you're, if you were driving a boat and, and the wind is, is leading you one way, it really takes effort to stay on that path to go the direction you're hoping to go. And I think if, if I'm honest, I think lots of us probably have, at least in areas, uh, a tendency to lean or to, to um, float towards a scarcity mindset, and it takes much intention to pull back towards, uh, towards what the Lord intends actually for us. We see this throughout the Bible. Um, we are all made in God's image, but we are all fallen beings. And so um, I, I think of in the Old Testament, I think of Sarah. She was one who um, had quite a few examples of this scarcity mindset. God told her, you're going to have this kiddo. And she said, what did she do? She laughed at him, right? She was like, yeah, right, I'm going to have a kid. I'm 99 years old. Um, She told her husband to sleep with her servant because she didn't trust in God's provision and his timing. And then once he did, and he had a son with with, um, Hagar, she actually told Hagar and um, Issachar, not Issachar, Hagar and... Ishmael, thank you. Pregnancy brand, right? Um, she told them to get lost and said, go out to the desert and die. And then whenever Abraham was led by God to bring Isaac up the mountain, she was fearful and said, do not take him. Thankfully, Abraham still, still went through and did that. But this, each of these things describe a mindset of scarcity, a lack, not enough, um, not a, a full trust in the Lord. Jump into the New Testament. In Matthew 14, we see Jesus and the disciples teaching and teaching and teaching, and then these 5,000 get hungry, right? They, they are all, they've been there all day. And what do the, the disciples say? They have this lens of not enough, this lens of lack that they have on. Um, and they, they, they essentially say, there's no way we can feed all of these people. We have five loaves of bread and two fish, and there's a ton more people than that that are even here. Even if we send them out to the cities, there's not going to be enough time and there's not going to be enough resources to feed them all. And of course, Jesus modeled a different way. Uh, Scarcity mindset is always going to set us up for failure 
uh, and it will, always, uh, it will always lead us to believe that there is not enough from the get-go. That's going to be our starting point. Think back to the Old Testament one more time with me here. Think of First um, Samuel 16, and we actually see Samuel the prophet being told to go anoint the next king. He goes to Jesse's house, and he says, okay, bring me your sons. And so Jesse is like, I'm sure like, shoulders high, right? Chest puffed out, and brings this whole lineup of all of these sons that look the part. The oldest is the tallest and the broadest and the strongest, and he looks like the king. He looks like he could take anyone down, right? And God says no. And then they go to the next son, no. Go to the next son, no. Go through all the sons that were there in that lineup, and, I, and it seems that both Samuel and Jesse had a bit of this scarcity mindset saying, there, there's, there's no one left. And then, of course, Jesse says, well, I actually have one more, but he's the runt of the family, and he's out with the sheep, and he probably doesn't have much to offer. He definitely doesn't look like the king. Uh, and so they call him in, and of course, the Lord says, it's him. He's the one. Jesse and Samuel saw that he was scarcely fit to be a king, but he was absolutely. And I think this is a pivot point of the Bible, and I don't say that lightly. I think that, that um, in 1 Samuel 16, 7, we see um, a, a very critical pivot point. I'm going to read this to you here. It reveals God's standard is different, a different mindset. It says, For the Lord does not see as man sees, for the, the man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I think that because David was seen differently, he was seen with this abundance mindset, the trajectory of his worldview and life were completely different, completely different. This abundance mindset um, is described in a completely different way. You, uh, with the abundance mindset, you see through a lens, like another set of glasses being put on, um, you see that there's always enough God is a God of always enough. I have been repeating this for the last months as we think of transitioning our family, as we think of uh, starting another year of Watermark, as we think of starting um, things with our, with our neighbors and, and new relationships and friendships. God is always a God of enough. We also see that a, an abundance mindset says that we can always trust God who richly gives to everyone who needs and three, we, we see that um, a, a, an abundance mindset, we see that we have been given so much from God. He is so generous to us that we can generously give to others. Uh, again, because David was seen in this way, I think of like all the little puzzle pieces of his life, and there were some like pretty crummy puzzle pieces in his life, right? Some that required major long-suffering, that required major patience and faith and uh, bravery. Some of the puzzle pieces he had to put together, um, probably in the moment, by themselves, made no sense. But coming from this worldview of abundance, um, he was able to sing these, this abundance back to the Lord. He was able to model and live this out. 
I'm going to read a couple of psalms here that we just get to, we get to, to reap uh, the, this mindset that he had. Uh, the first one's going to be Psalm 65. I'll read a few verses in here. Uh, in the Bible reading plan that we have, we're not here yet. We'll be in 65 and two weeks from now. But pay attention to all of these little, the adjectives that are, are exp- exclaimed here. Those who live at the ends of the earth stand in awe of your wonders. From where the sun rises to where the sun sets, you inspire shouts of joy. You take care of the earth and you water it, making it rich and fertile. The, the river of the God has plenty of water. It provides a bountiful harvest of grain, for you have ordered it so. You drench the plowed ground with rain, melting the clods and leveling the ridges. You soften the earth with showers and bless its abundant crops. You crown the year with a bountiful harvest. Even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness become a lush pasture, and hillsides blossom with joy. The meadows are clothed with flocks of sheep, and the valleys are carpeted with grain. They all shout and sing for joy. David was able to see his world uh, with this lens of there's always enough, there's always abundance. Let's read some more Psalms. This, it's, it's just so beautiful to see it come out from him. So Psalm 13, 6 says, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. All of these are like beautiful declarations. When you feel like there's not enough, we go back to this word. We go back to remembering who he is and what he's done. Psalm 23, 5, you prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Psalm 37, 11, but the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. I want abundant peace. Psalm 65, 11, you crown the year with your bounty and your carts overflow with abundance like we read. Psalm 66, 12, but you brought us to this place of abundance. And Psalm 112, 5, it is well with a man who deals generously and who lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. God is absolutely in the business of abundance and of blessing, and so kindly he trusts us to be invited into that same narrative with him. He invites us every day to, to, um, to marry the natural and the supernatural together to, to bring light and life to other people. Uh, we, we tend, again, we, that boat can drive over towards that scarcity mindset, but it takes discipline to recreate and redefine what the front of the puzzle is going to say. This, this comes through disciplines like prayer, and this is, again, long-suffering. This isn't like one prayer usually is going to do it, but prayer, it comes from confession and time and community, authentic, deep, healthy community. It comes from practicing, having a right view, making declarations about who God is and remembering what he's done in the past. The, the, our, our worldview can shift from scarcity to abundance, but it absolutely will take discipline. So how does all this then fit into generosity? Seeing, seeing what God sees on the inside as opposed to what we see on the outside, we see someone's skills or failures or abundance or all these different things. But, but God, again, he sees, he sees our heart posture in those moments. So 
I think when I, when I die and I'm, I'm there in front of Jesus, I can't imagine that God would say, hey, Katie, you know, on, on December 31st, you actually only gave $300. I, I think he would actually say, hey, Katie, in this opportunity, your heart posture did this. Way to go! Or, no, you know, like you missed the mark. Um, I, I think that uh, he will talk about whether giving was big or little, whether the opportunity to give was big or little. I think he will, he will mention and note and, and notice what our heart posture is as we have the chance um, to listen and obey. And again, I think one of the biggest keys in here is that it all does take honing that, pre- uh, working on that, that practice of listening to his voice because we're not called to, to live generously without boundaries, and we're not called to give every single thing away. We, we are called to obey our Father's voice, and he's a good shepherd. He will lead us when and where and how we are supposed to give. As I think of the opportunities that we, we have every single day, that, I mean, I'm sure it's countless opportunities, um, or examples, I should say, but I, again, I think of time and talent and resources I think with time, uh, there are opportunities, again, big to small. Think of big being um, anywhere from like a day, a week, a month, a stint on a mission trip. This is giving, giving our time or giving uh, pastoral care, giving attention and truly sitting and seeing someone, giving someone part of your space and your time, not to fix them, but to, to allow them to be in process and be on journey. Maybe this is even something as simple as reflective listening, being a good listener to someone, having a little extra margin to, to, to get time with a neighbor. Uh, it, it's, it's, again, going to be very different, I'm sure, similar for some, uh, for all of us, because we are in different seasons and situations. But how is the Lord encouraging you or asking you to give generously with your time? The next one is talents. This, uh, who has the Lord made you to be? This is, can be really fun to then think through, who has God made me to be, and how can I offer the things that the Lord has made me and gifted me in to offer those to others? I think of teaching a care center course that we have, providing a meal for someone. Um, my sister, my sister didn't know that I was, I was teaching on this today. She didn't know that I was teaching at all. But she, last night I was FaceTiming her, and, and out of nowhere she was like, Katie, check your text. And I was like, what do you mean? And so I look on there, and, and she, she said, you're not allowed to cook tonight. And then a, a gift card popped up, a digital gift card popped up, and she was like, you get to you just bring dinner in. And, and something as, as fleeting and quick as that made a deep impact. I felt seen. I felt noticed. I felt cared for. And it had way more of a lasting impact, that moment of generosity, than even a, a quick meal could have. But providing, again, um, you know, other talents, meeting other people's needs, coaching a team, maybe, mentoring. And then I think of our resources. How does the Lord ask us to be generous with our resources? This is financial giving. This is the diaper drive we did in the spring. This is hosting uh, community groups in your home or lending a car if you can when the Lord encourages you to do so. It's, it's being uh, aware of what resources do I have? What access do I have? And how is the Lord um, encouraging me, allowing me to provide this for other people? But of course, with all this, we have our our own free will. And so there are many responses that we can have to the opportunity as we listen to the voice of the Lord um, to to be responsive to him. 
Of course, the aim, the goal, what we're, what we're hoping for is generosity with a pure heart. Um, makes me think of 2 Corinthians 9, 7. I'm going to read these here. Actually, I'll start in 6. It says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. He loves a happy heart. He loves when we have an opportunity to share part of his kingdom with others and that we do it joyfully. This is our bullseye. This is, the, we, we don't do it perfectly here at North Star. We don't, each of us individually, I'm sure, don't do this, but this is part of our aim. This is where we are headed. Uh, you can also have the response of generosity, but with poor motives. Uh, maybe there's peer pressure. Maybe there is, uh, again, part of that performance mentality, or I, I, have to, I have to give this thing or do this thing, uh, or else someone won't see me in the, the light I want them to see me in, or I won't have God's approval. But really, again, if you are in this, in this response, if you find yourself ever in this response, know you are only performing for an audience of one. You are only in relationship with Jesus. It's not, about, it's not about performing. It's about being obedient to the loving, loving Father. Third response often is a lack of generosity, but just because of immaturity. We're all growing. We're all needing to, to continue to sharpen this skill. And so sometimes this comes with just unawareness. Uh, you know, again, if we, if we are not in tune with hearing God's voice or noticing his promptings, or honestly too busy to notice his promptings, we can, we can pretty easily skirt past opportunities of generosity. Um, and so this, I think, the, the, one of the cures here is, is practicing listening and obeying. We use this language with our kids. We, we, we obey all the way right away with a happy heart. So again, we're a cheerful givers, but we do it all the way and right away once the Lord says, now go, now go do this thing. And then the fourth response we can see here is a lack of generosity, but with a rebellious heart. And this is the watch out. Of course, this is the, the, the spot that we don't want to find ourselves individually in. This is a spot we don't want to find ourselves in at North Star um, as, a, as a little C church here. Uh, sometimes if I... I remember I was actually on the phone with the same sister. This was a couple weeks ago, and I was, um, I was on the phone with her, checking out at Kroger, and the, the gal in front of me, I'm mostly on, in, the, in a conversation here, and there's a gal in front of me who um, has, a, has a daughter and has just a couple things, but she tries one credit card, and it doesn't go through, and tries another credit card, and it doesn't go through. And I had this super subtle thought of, like, just add it on to your bill, like just add it on, you know, but I'm talking to, to Lori, and so I, I didn't know how to, I, I, I waited too long, honestly, I think it was, it was a bit of rebellion of, if I don't do it, she'll probably, something else will work out, ran to her car, got another card, and came, and she, she took care of it, but what a missed opportunity for, for me to even just bless and have that kind of impact on her, if I wait too long, I can out-talk myself from generosity, and I feel like that is such a watch out, such a watch out for us. I, needed to, com I needed, to, needed to confess that and I needed to repent of that because I don't want to be a slow obeyer or a disobeyer to the Lord because he has such goodness in store for us when we partner with him. Yes. 
So as Christians, we, we do get to do this. We get to be generous with a pure heart. We get, it's not easy all the time, but we get to steer towards that. And of course, the best model for all of these healthy things is, is Jesus himself. And I love even the fact that he was there at creation. He, was, he knew Eden. He knew this garden, this place. He knew a place of abundance and more than enough and overflowing and vividness. Uh, a friend of mine just got cataract surgery and she was like, guys, yellow is actually yellow. <laughs> like like there, there's a new level of color I can see after the surgery. And I, I think when Jesus was here walking with us and ministering with us, I, I think he was modeling like, no, like shift it so that you can see with abundance. There is, there is always more than enough. He spoke of and lived of God's word. Uh, he, he, he modeled living out the word. He modeled this worldview that was the original worldview. Um, it's, it's just so beautiful to, to see him minister, to offer healing, to offer his time, talents, resources, uh, to offer justice and care and tenderness and attention all with boundaries. It was, again, all with, uh, with doing where the, going where the Father told him to go and allowing that eternal impact to happen in those moments. Uh, I think one, one um, major blessing over the last few years for me is it has been seeing this. We, we see in the natural, but there's this supernatural, there's this spiritual world that's, that's taking place as well. I'm not a seer. There are people who are actually specifically gifted in seeing the supernatural. And one, one guy actually wrote a book uh, called The Veil. I, I would, it's, it's blowing up some of my, the boxes in my head, but um, I, I read this book recently, and I would love to quote uh, one of the, the, the pa paragraphs that he had mentioned in there because it so clearly describes us paralleling uh, the dot and the line. We are living in the dot, but, but parallels that with this line of eternity. It says, the words we speak here in the physical realm move mountains in the spiritual realm. Here you encourage someone, there you give tools to climb out of the pit. Here you lay your hands on someone's shoulder, and there you're marking a life of blessing. Here you say a simple prayer, there the hosts of heaven receive their battle commands. Isn't this empowering? Here you sing a pretty song, and there you stand in the throne, thr throne room of God, releasing glory to the king of kings. Here you drop a check in the offering bin, in the old-fashioned way, right? Um, there you set a crown on his feet. On earth you pray for a sick person, and in heaven you are a co-heir with Christ, pouring the bounty of his kingdom onto his children. This is abundance. I think we get so myopic in the here and the now and the what do I want and what can I control and how can I find this felt sense of I don't want to fear and I want to control these things that we, we can get out of this worldview of what God is actually doing in the supernatural world. And you know, we're not, we're not doing this series here, uh, this Healthy Church series, to like kind of give ourselves a pat on the back by any means. If, if anything, we're trying to help you guys understand how to keep us accountable as leadership to point us in the right direction for healthy leadership. And this is something we absolutely want to aim at, at going towards. 
I think of um, what, what next year might feel like with the election coming up. Um, I, I think, honestly, that times are going to feel even more tense, even more divisive, even more offensive, even more um, frustrating, which, which, again, with this scarcity mindset, this lens of not enough, will lead us to thoughts like, I have to self-protect, I am entitled to what's mine, my vote matters then more than someone else's vote, safety, um, it, it, my safety is my world. And I think, honestly, the, the, um, if we look back at uh, another super tense time, that is, that's right after Jesus left. I don't think we, I don't understand how exactly intense that time would have been. But abundance, gen, uh, um, abundant generosity characterized that early church. And I think, honestly, abundant generosity is going to characterize the end time church as well. So however close we are, whether we're a year or three million years from the end times, we have to practice being a generous church. Um, this is one of the reasons I think North Star is, has a pretty high value of having generously living leaders. Um, that's our, our uh, volunteers. That's our staff, our women's advisory board, and our elders. Uh, we, we have such a high value that this, um, that this is our aim, that that's why we are pretty strategic in who we, um, who we have leading. Um, we, we have this value that we live simply, yet we live generously. There's, there's a kind of a, a duality there. And I even just want to, in, in particular, note how, how much David has led us in this. I don't know if you know how blessed we are by having him as our, as our main leader here, but he is pastoring us in a way that is living naturally supernatural with pleasing Jesus at the front line and living a fully healthy, generous kind of a way. That is him in, in the behind the scenes and the front scenes, all over. So major blessing to be part of this team here. And another, another part that I think North Star has aimed, we've, we've been very specific in aiming towards generosity towards a persecuted church. That's prayerfully and that's financially supporting. And so next week I am like super thrilled to meet this new family friend, Simon, uh, who's going to come here both in the morning and he'll be here, like Cody said, in the evening. I would love to introduce you to him though, give you a little, a little pre, uh, preview here. I'm, I have a video for you to watch of him. Kristen in China once said, we may not be all sitting on the same thorn, but we are all sitting on the same branch. I feel that the Western church is far closer to living the book of Revelation than many of us would like to think. And I've met with pastors in several countries who feel that they are living in the great tribulation now. There has been a, a staggering increase in Christian persecution in the last 10 years. Countries where persecution barely, if ever, existed before are seeing Christians flee to the mountains and churches go completely underground. And these statistics are staggering, but today every six minutes a Christian is killed for their faith. Every six minutes. In America today, there is no doubt we are experiencing a squeeze kind of persecution. The foundations of Christian values of speech and conscience and freedom itself, uh, these values are being eroded at every level of society. And 
This is, this is a battlefield that Western Christians are largely unprepared for, but for many of our brothers and sisters on the front line of faith, persecution has been normal for centuries, and, and these are the places where the church is growing the fastest. These brothers and sisters of ours are battle-hardened warriors living the book of Acts today. They are, I believe, the perfect mentors to teach us and to give us the tools to respond to progressive pressure. Well, what can we learn from the suffering church? I see more books and podcasts around now about Christian courage than I've ever seen before, but I worry that few of these preachers have really any idea about what it means to take up their cross and follow Jesus. One pastor I met in Southeast Asia said, you know, I've prepared myself, my wife and my children for prison. We're all going, but we will not recant our faith and we are not afraid. Now, when you get to sit and have coffee with a man like that, it changes everything. On, on another trip to South Asia, a young pastor called me as we found out it would be too dangerous for us to meet in person. And he said this, he said, my persecutors are close, brother. They are probably listening to our conversation right now. It is highly likely that I'll be kidnapped or killed for my faith today or tomorrow. But until my last breath, I will love them, I'll forgive them, because that is what Jesus called us to do. I was in a prayer meeting in Malaysia, unlike any prayer meeting I have ever attended before in my life. And these believers, these courageous believers with white hot faith, uh, they weren't praying that their persecutors would be punished. They weren't praying that their families would receive justice. They weren't even praying that they would be spared prison or persecution, but they were praying that Christians in the West would find their voice again and take every opportunity to share Jesus boldly and beautifully while we'll still have freedom. Now, I have two degrees in theology, but all of a sudden, the Bible was coming alive for me like never before. And from my first meeting with Christians in persecution, it was like I, I, was, I was changed in almost a moment. And from that day forth, I became a, a very different kind of Christian. So there, there's a taste of his accent, right, Cody? So don't, listening to those, don't you, don't you wonder why, why does Simon and all of the individuals that he's, he's pouring into, why do they do what they're doing? How, how, do they, how is their stamina till the end, till the last breath? Uh, how do they, they express so much generosity? And I, I think in, in my impression, I think it's because of the abundance of the Lord that they know. They, they deeply know Father God. And so if you're sitting here and you're, and you're wanting to start or, um, or, or continue living more generously, I want you to actually start knowing Jesus' generosity, Father God's generosity, Holy Spirit's generosity. So I'm going to have you guys stand up here as we, um, one thing, again, I 
I, I do love about our church is that we, it's not just information. This is a, your chance to respond to anything that landed on your heart, whether from the word from Rusty, whether from worship, whether from prayer, whether, whatever it is. Uh, if, if you have any desire, though, to, um, to be in higher revelation of God's abundance, would you come down and get prayer? We would love to partner with you. Even, even with that prayer teams, you guys can come down. But we would love to pray over you that, that, that we would put down these glasses of scarcity and we would put on these other glasses of abundance, even if your situation feels dire and ended and dead. We would love to pray over you. As well, if Rusty's word landed with you, this has been a season of surrender. Uh, this has been a season of over and over. I've said, okay, I give up control again. I surrender again. And so if you, if you would love to have someone come alongside and just pray alongside you for more surrender, um, I encourage you to come up and do that as well. Come up and receive communion. It's a trip here. Come up and, and take communion, whether it's by yourself or with your family or someone else you came with. This is a, a beautiful opportunity to again declare, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you'll come again. I believe that by your stripes I am healed. Um, so come up and receive communion, receive prayer, sit with the Lord, and um, I would love to pray for us as we transition. So Holy Spirit, we just ask for more and more and more of you, Lord. I think of our head and our heart and our hands. We, we can be generous with our hands, things that, that um, man can see, Lord, but way more importantly, Lord, let us be generous with our hearts and with our minds. Let us not get stuck in just operating in the thing that we know we should be operating in, which is performance or pretending, but let us live freely. I think I, I feel like I see like just a, a little kiddo twirling and dancing in a field, just freely frolicking in your grace and your warmth and your beauty, Lord. So help us be responders to what you're doing. Holy Spirit, come, let us receive prayer. In your name we pray.